Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. You are gracious to us. I don't know about you, but I can sing about his love all day and all night. That, that, that is absolutely one of my favorite songs because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm unlovable. I'm just saying. I mean, I might look cute and everything, but there, there are moments. Ask my wife. She married me. Amen. And she can tell you there are times that I'm just unlovable. Times she want to lay hands on me, not in a godly way. Amen. I'm just saying she doesn't do it. I'm going to let y'all know she does because she's a godly woman. But the point is there are times that I am unlovable and his love never fails. And every time I sing that, I am so encouraged because I know that his love never, ever. Look, other people's love will fail. Other people will give up on you. Other people will let you down. I mean, I remember being a kid and I thought, you know, people were going to show up. They didn't show up. But guess who always shows up? Our God always shows up. Never misses. His love never fails. So if there is one song that you should get real excited about when we sing, it's that one. I'm just saying, I think that should be your favorite song. Amen? I'm just saying glory to God. Hallelujah. I love Jesus, and he loves me, and he loves you. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 28. The book of Acts, chapter 28. We will begin reading in verse 1. When you got to say so? so, it says, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. And when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. They're a little confused, right? This guy is a sinner, and he, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Now he's a god. In that region, there was, a, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Every time that I say a funny word, I have someone that just like repeats it, so it makes me want to laugh. <laughs> I have this echo, glory to God. It's, it's, it's all good. I just thought that was funny. You keep on doing it. I won't, I won't comment anymore about it. I'll just go with it. But that just made me laugh. I said, Manta, they would think, can I get a Manta? I'm like, no, this is just, and anyway, glory to God. All right. So, and it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed, and they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Father, we thank you so very much for your word that is truth. 
For your word that sets us free, for your word that liberates us, Lord God, to be able to love you, that liberates us to be able to serve you, that liberates us, Lord God, from our own desires, from our own sin, Lord God. We thank you for your word that is truth, God. We thank you for your word that you declare unto us is living and is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, my God. It cuts to the bone and to the marrow, Lord God, dividing even soul and spirit, judging the intents of our hearts. So God, this morning, as we lay our hearts bare before your word, God, examine us, Lord. Examine us, God. Have we been doers of your word? Or have we simply been hearers? God, I pray today that we would be doers of your word. That we would hear clearly what your spirit is saying to your church. And that we would run with your gospel to a world that desperately needs it. God, we pray these things in Jesus' good name. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so as you can see, this is the last chapter in the book of Acts. And so today, don't say hallelujah. That's not good, all right? The book of Acts is a, it's amazing. I ain't gonna lie. I said hallelujah sometimes too. I was like, glory to God, we're here. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I love, I love the Bible. I, I told y'all, you know, the book of Acts is my favorite book. And the next book we go into, that'll be my favorite book then also. But I love the book of Acts. I love, I mean, I've read the book of Acts. I can't tell you how many times I've read this book, how many times I've gone over it. I mean, I've taken through, taken um, some of the Bible studies through, um, you know, with, with, with the church through the book of Acts. I love this book because it is a constant reminder to us of certain things. But nonetheless, I want to reiterate a few things that I've said throughout this. And the first thing is this, that the goal of this entire book study has been to drive home the fact that the book of Acts is not simply a historical reference book for the church, but it is an example to follow and a standard to be pursued by the present day church. And so what I've tried to drive home from the beginning is that, look, this is not just some historical reference point that we can look at and say, well, this is where the church came from. When we first started the study, I did tell you that there was some documentary that was done that was trying to disprove the Bible, disprove Christianity. And what they did was they asked a question to every person who they interviewed in, 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 outside of a Christian conference. So they went out, they went to a place where they knew that there was a big Christian conference. They called on people, and I'm assuming because I would think that they would at least try to be fair trying to prove their point. They probably asked these people, are you attending the conference? And people probably said yes. They probably asked them, are you a believer in the word, you know, in God? And they probably said yes. And then they asked them a really critical question. They said, what happened to the gospel or, or what happened between the time that Jesus died and ascended and about 30 years later? And when they asked that question, nobody knew the answer. Every Christian that they asked, they said, what happened in that 30-year period? And the reason why this was so important, because part of their premise was during those 30 years, there was a bunch of stuff that was added. There was a bunch of stuff that was taken away. And that what we have today of Christianity, that wasn't God's original intent. But if anybody would have paid attention while their pastor was going through the 28 chapters in the book of Acts, amen, 
They would have known from the first message that this book covered the 30 years between the time that Jesus ascended and and those 30 years that this guy was talking about. They would have said, well, what was happening was God was raising up his church. He was moving mightily. He was shaking the world and turning it upside down with this amazing message called the gospel. And that's what the book of Acts covers. And so when we get here to chapter 28, what we find is that we see what happened in 30 years of time, how God raised up churches, how God spoke, how God healed, how God delivered, and how God began something. And when we look at the book of Acts, church, I pray that you will look at the book of Acts with new eyes. That every time that you go into your Bible and you look at these books and, 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 you, and you look at these chapters and these testimonies and these things that are in there, that you will recognize the power of God And that you would not only recognize that, but that you would hear the call of God calling you higher, calling you deeper, calling you further into a relationship and into a manifestation of the kingdom of God. Because that is what we see in the true church of God. We see the power of the Holy Spirit being manifested. The title of the message this morning is Gospel Continuation. Gospel continuation. And I'll say this at the end, but I'll I'll say it now also. You will notice at the end of this chapter, the book of Acts does not close with an amen. It doesn't, it, it actually, when you look at the book of Acts, the end of the book, it closes very abruptly. When you, when you look at the writing of it, it doesn't close like it's finished. And there's a reason for that. Remember, who inspired the word of God? The Holy Spirit. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he lets an abrupt end happen at the end of a book. And, and, and what happens to us when there's like an abrupt ending, we, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, certain movies. There, there's some movies that they'll do like, how, how many of y'all like Rocky? Raise your hand if you like Rocky. I love Rocky. I know it was fake, but anyway, I still cry every time I watch the, the I, I watch Rocky. Adrian, I'm like, oh my goodness, glory to God. I'm like, Elaine, where are you? No, I'm just kidding. Um. But I, I do cry. I get, I get emotional when, you know, with, with Rocky. I love it. And so the, the, the last, you know, Rocky Balboa, the other day I was sitting down and, you know, it was on. And I was like, oh, and, and, and I didn't realize this, um, but I can, I can well, I realized it after a while. But um, I didn't have this option in, in, in the U-verse. And it was that I can actually hit select and start the movie over. And so I'm sitting down with my daughter. I'm like, baby, we're going to watch Rocky. And she's like, oh, my goodness. Because she sees, you know, she watches Rocky. She's my partner, right? So she watches Rocky with me all the time. My wife is like, babe, how many times has she seen that movie? I said, I don't know, but it's an amazing movie. And so ultimately, the point is, when I rented the movie, or when, when, it first came, when it first came out on DVD, they had something, and it was called an optional ending, right? It was another ending. It was the ending, and I didn't watch the option ending. I just liked the ending that was there. But for some of us that are real Rocky fans, we probably wanted to see Rocky win, right? Because that's what happens in every Rocky movie. And he looked like he was going to win anyway, but I, well, that's another story. But, but the point is, the ending of the movie had the option there for us to look at a different ending. And what happens to us when we don't like the ending of something, we do what? We kind of think about, well, well, this could have happened or this, you know, should have happened. And what I believe, and this is just me, listen, write this down if you're taking notes. And I hope you got a little thing to take notes there. If you write this down, this is Bishop's interpretation. This is not some theology. Hello. This is not a doctrine, okay? This is not somewhere that you can go ahead and figure that. I'm saying this is my opinion. I'm giving you my opinion. Amen. This is, not, this is not red letter writing. In other words, Jesus didn't. I wasn't in prayer, and Jesus said, Jason, I want you to tell the church. I, I didn't get no fresh revelation. Hello. 
I'm just making that clear. But my opinion is why I'm thinking, God, why would you end this book abruptly like that? It is to let us know it's not over. It's to let us know God didn't end the book with an amen because there's supposed to be a continuation of what we see in the book of Acts. There's supposed to be a continuation of people getting saved, being delivered, preaching the gospel, being devoted to the fulfillment of God's will and God's purposes. There should be that. And so when I read it, there's like, wow, it it ended. And, And most scholars believe that when Luke wrote this, he wrote it before Paul got out of prison. So he didn't even know how to really end the book. Why? The Holy Spirit was inspiring him. I don't want you to end it like, like because if you look at it, right, we were waiting. I don't know about you. If you were paying attention, some of y'all know you were sleeping. Amen? Don't say amen, man. You know, you used to be like, no, Bishop, I was awake with you, man. I wasn't sleeping. But if we were paying attention, right, we realized something. Where's Paul been trying to get to all this time? He's been trying to get to Rome, right? He's been trying to get before Caesar. He's been trying to go. And guess what? The book of Acts never shows us him going before Caesar. But we do know what? That he had a prophetic word from God. So we know that he did eventually make it before Caesar. Amen? And so what happens is the book of Acts doesn't end with an amen. There's a purpose for that. And it is gospel continuation. The gospel should continue through us. It is all about the gospel. Listen to what I'm going to say right now. It is not about the signs and wonders. Did you hear me? It is not about the speaking in tongues. It is not about people being healed. It is not about people being delivered. That is not the focal point. That is something that is a byproduct of us living in relationship with Jesus and submission to the power of the Holy Spirit. And God chooses to move. But that is not the focal point. The problem is people will read the book of Acts and they're looking so much to see these signs and wonders that they become deceived because of something called false signs and wonders. Things that look like God is moving but there is an absence of the gospel and what needs to be our focus what needs to be our motivation is that the gospel is being preached that the gospel is being heard and that the gospel is being lived through us when we look at the book of Acts that should be our greatest motivation is to see a continuation of the gospel because you know what these people weren't seeking signs and wonders they were seeking the glorification of Jesus They were seeking the honor and the glory for the God, the one that saved them and delivered them. And what we understand here is that while no church is, has ever been, or will ever be perfect, this includes the first century church. So what I'm saying is, while the book of Acts shows us a great example to follow, it does not show us perfection. Hello? When we read the book of Acts, we find plenty of imperfection. We find plenty of shortcomings. But you know what we also find? We find people who were repentant and were humble before their God and people who were following their Lord. And so you know what we can do? We can follow that example. We don't need to look for perfect people. Hello. I said this last week when Pastor Frank finished preaching. I got up here and I made it clear. When the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, imitate me as I imitate Christ, he wasn't saying, imitate my perfection. He wasn't saying, I'm Jesus. He was saying, follow my example because I'm going hard after Jesus. I am pursuing Jesus with all of my heart. And when I fall short, I'm going to show you how to repent of sin and continue walking in the power of grace. And so we don't need to look for perfect people. We need to look for people who are sincerely following after Jesus to look at their examples if we're going to follow them. 
There is one thing, though, that must define the church. While no church is perfect, there is one thing that must define the church, and that is the gospel. The first century church was defined by the truth of the gospel, and it was continually growing in its understanding and devotion to the gospel. This is, church, a work of the Holy Spirit revealing the richness of the gospel of grace to to, to the hearts of God's people. It's not something we can fabricate. I can preach the gospel every single Sunday. Pastor Chad, he went through the gospel presentation as he was talking about communion and he was talking about our sin and he's talking about our separation from God and what God did. And when we look at communion, we see the gospel picture every week. And so we can do communion every week. I mean, listen, I don't mean to offend anyone, no matter what your religious background is, but there are people who partake of communion every single week and they still do not understand the gospel. It is a religious activity, and what, and, what, and what communion should be is it should be a continual reminder of the gospel. It should be a continual reminder of the sacrifice that was made. And when I look at the sacrifice of Jesus, I, re- I realize he had to sacrifice because of my sin. And when I look at the sacrifice of Jesus, I realize that it was enough for me that I don't have to earn my way into heaven, but he already earned my way into heaven. I realize that I have a better hope. That I have a hope that is not in my own righteousness, but is in the righteousness of the one that died for me. I look forward to the resurrection and the return of Jesus, the gospel continually ingraining my life and my mind. That's the reason why we partake of communion every week. Not because it should be some religious activity, but we should be reminded in the middle of worship that the reason why we're able to worship is not because the songs are so great or not, not because they're doing the ones that I like or not. No, it is because of the one who died and invites us to worship him. That's why we put communion right there because we're saying, look, in the middle of worship and praise, see, some of us think that, we, that God wants to hear us because we sing so great. Hello. Some of y'all lying to yourself. Hello. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I don't hear anyone. I'm, you know, I mean, I do hear y'all collectively. Amen. But here's the thing. Sometimes we think God wants to hear me because I'm so holy. Because I prayed so much this week. He wants to hear my praise. Really? Seriously. And then you know what's even sadder? Is some of us think, God doesn't want to hear me because I've been such a heathen this week. Can I tell you something? He wants to hear you no matter how much of a heathen you've been, no matter how holy you've been, not because of you, but because of your faith in Jesus. Listen, we are going to have, I want to say this, it is not saying you should just live like a heathen and everything is okay. I don't believe like that. That is not what I'm trying to say. What I am saying is that when you fall short, and some of us, look, some of us have moments of weakness, some of us have weeks of weakness, some of us have months of weakness, I'm just saying. Some of us have times in our life where we experience the pull of sin stronger than others. And what do you do when those things happen? Do you run to the gospel or do you try to fix yourself? But see, the thing is, we put communion in the middle of worship because our greatest expression of anything is worship and praise to our God. And what I want to make sure that everybody understands every single week is that we're able to worship because of what Jesus did. We're not able to worship because of how great we are. We're not able to worship because of how wonderful or how good we've been this week or how much we've read our Bible or because we paid our tithes and offering. No. 
We are able to worship because of the mercy and the grace that was shed abroad in our hearts. And can I tell you something? You will have less and less times of weakness the more and more you become overwhelmed by the gospel. The more and more you become overwhelmed by the truth of what Jesus has done, the more and more we become overwhelmed by who he is and what he's done for us, we become less and less passionate for sin and more and more passionate for righteousness. We must remember that the gospel is not the entrance point of Christianity. Hear me. Be reminded of this. For some of us, we think, I need the gospel to get saved. They need the gospel. You know what? Well, we got to go preach the gospel because what? Because people need to hear about Jesus, right? That's the truth, isn't it? Amen? But here's our problem. Our problem is we think that there is something greater than the gospel after we walk in through the gospel. Are you hearing me? See, some people, they, they, I'm, I'm going to just say it. I, some of y'all are going to get offended. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to preach. But hear me. There are some people. They will leave one place to go to another because they're looking for some deeper deepness. Right? I don't even know if that makes sense. But anyway, they, it doesn't make sense to me either when they say it. They, they, they're looking for this deeper, they're looking for this deeper revelation. Can I tell you something? The depth of revelation that we get should be the depth of the revelation of what the gospel really means. Listen, you don't start with the gospel and go somewhere else. You grow in the grace and the knowledge of who Jesus is. You know what that's called? The gospel. It is the grace and the revelation of who he is, of what he's done. And that is when you begin to understand like Paul prayed. He prayed that you would know the height, that you would know the depth, that you would know the breadth, that you would know the width, that you would know all the fullness of the dimensions of the revelation of what? Of the love of God. Where do we get this from? We get it through the gospel. Here, I'll say it like this. It is, and it's in your notes right there. It is the beginning, it is the middle, and it is the end. It is the gospel that saves us, it is the gospel that keeps us, and it is the gospel that will pave the way for us to go into glory. It's not some part of Christianity. It is all of Christianity. It is basic truth. The gospel is basic truth. It is deeper truth. And it is the greatest truth of all that we are and all that we will ever be because of Jesus. That is what the gospel is, church. Now, our greatest pursuit is to make the glory of the gospel known to every man who knows us. Let me say that one more time. Our greatest pursuit... And we're talking about gospel continuation. Our greatest pursuit, the greatest thing, listen, we pursue a lot of things. When you're in school, I would hope every student in here, you are pursuing good grades. Hello. Some of you pursuing scholarships as you get older and, you know, in academics or you're pursuing scholarships through sports or you're pursuing scholarship for other things. We pursue a lot of things. As we get older, we begin to pursue certain positions and we begin to pursue certain places in work. And then once we get a job, we begin to pursue promotions and we pursue a lot of things. And for those of you that are single, you might be pursuing someone or hoping someone's pursuing you. Hello. I'm just saying. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But here's what I am going to tell you. Our greatest pursuit... The thing that we should be pursuing above all things, the thing that we should be pursuing as our highest aim, our highest goal, is not that we achieve our goals in this life that have to deal with this life and will die in this life. Everything that we achieve in this world will stay in this world. 
except for those things that we are doing for the glory and the honor of God, which is why the apostle tells us to what? To keep our mind on heavenly things, not on the things of this earth. So our greatest pursuit is to make the glory of the gospel known to everyone who knows us. Our greatest pursuit should be that everyone that we have the opportunity to share with, that we are able to share the glory of the gospel. And can I tell you something? The glory of the gospel begins by sharing how he has changed your life. That is where, listen, the glory of the gospel is not about some deep knowledge that you got, not some deep revelation that you got. It is about how has the gospel changed me? How is the gospel changing my life? Not how did it change me once, but how is it continuing to change me? How is it continuing to open my eyes? That is the glory of the gospel. It begins there. It doesn't stay there, though. Hello. It's not just, you can't just sit there and just testify to people. You got to give them some substance, and that's where you get into your Bible. Amen? Amen? And you get into the gospel, and you learn what the scriptures teach because it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. In verses 1 through 10, we find a few things here. Say this with me. This is my first point. God has chosen us and our circumstances to advance the gospel. God has chosen us and our circumstances to advance the gospel. Now, I just said our greatest pursuit is to make the glory of the gospel known to everyone who knows us. And so the first point that I want to make is that God has chosen us and our circumstances. You, you, you got to get that in your spirit. He didn't just choose you, okay? He chose you and it's something called providence. Say providence. Okay, he chose you and your circumstances to advance the gospel. Yesterday, Sean Lattimore got into a car accident. His wife is talking to my wife. I was so blessed by this. She said, yeah, Sean is okay. And he got to witness to someone that was in the accident. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Because when y'all get in an accident, you're thinking about insurance claims and all this other stuff. Listen, I want to encourage you. His circum- God chose him. And his circumstance, for what? For the advancement. Listen, the best time to preach to someone is in an accident, glory to God. I'm just saying, I'm, I will never forget the opportunity that I missed. We got rear-ended when we were coming from vacation one time. Our car was totaled, and we're sitting there. And, and I, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing my sin to you because this was sinful. We get into this accident, and, and, and the girl that, that hit me, she was a young girl. She was, I don't know, she was in her teens, maybe. Maybe she was maybe early 20s, you know, late teens, something like that. But she was around that age. And I'll never forget, the girl rear-ended us, and we pull over to the side, and she begins to, she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, I just came from the hospital where my dad was. And can you believe that your pastor didn't pray for that girl? I'm a heathen. I'm a straight-up heathen. I, I, I pray for God's deliverance over my life. Listen, and I stood there forever because, you know, police take forever. If you're a police officer, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you right there. I'm just saying, you know, they take a while to get to the scene. You know, you're there waiting because nobody died, you know, so they're not, like, rushing, right? And so you're sitting there, and, you know, on the side of the road, and she's sitting there, and she's like, you know, my dad's in the hospital. He's dying. I'm like, wow, I, why did I open my mouth? Because I wasn't thinking, okay, God, this is an opportunity for me to share the gospel. And listen, some people, I got into another accident with a dude. There was no opportunity to share the gospel with him. He was hard-hearted. He didn't want to hear anything. And I'm not saying every single accident is what I'm saying is. 
We have to be available to the Spirit of God so that way we recognize, you know what, man, maybe this happened and God is, I'm not saying, and I want to explain this to you. Remember the story. Remember, remember chapter 27? Remember we talked about that? You remember, remember how Paul was like, listen, this is going to turn out really bad for us. We should not go on this trip. Remember that? And remember later on, Paul said, I told you so. Y'all remember that, right? I know y'all remember that. If y'all remember anything about the message, you remember that I gave you permission to say, I told you so. One time, not a bunch of times, one time. Amen. And so Paul is like, look, the Lord, the Lord was giving him some wisdom and some insight. God did not want them to go through that storm that was like two weeks long. Hello? They were on the ocean, and, and they weren't like on some like, you know, luxury cruise liner. Hello, somebody. They were thrown. They, they, had, they didn't eat for 14 days. I mean, they were in bad shape. The point of the matter is, is that when they were, th- were, were there on the ship, God did not originally intend for them to go through that storm. God did not originally intend for them to go through that. Therefore, it means that it wasn't God's original intent for them to end up on Malta either. Hello. Are you hearing me? And so the point of the matter is, is not to say that God wants you to go through all kind of stuff, but here is the point. You are where you are. Are you, are you getting that? And so, because you know, you know what happens to us? And when I was sitting down meditating, I was like, man, this is amazing. What happens to us is we sit back just yesterday, or two days ago, I was talking with someone, and I was talking about all the mistakes that I've made. Glory to God. Since I started pastoring and all this type of stuff, and I'm like, man, I am a messed up guy, man. I've made some bad decisions. I've done stuff. I'm like, glory to God for his grace and mercy. Amen? I'm just saying, see, y'all, don't, y'all, 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 y'all appreciate that, right? When I can be real with you and let you know, hey, man, I mean, I'm just saying, don't, don't hold me up to no pedestal. Let me come down, glory to God, for y'all. I just, I'm just saying, I'm right here with y'all. I got to stand up there so I can see in the back. But what I'm saying is, I'm just, I'm just like everybody else in the room, right? And so I'm falling. And what happens to us is that we experience things. We, 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 we have situations that happen to us, and we sit there, and we look at our past, and we're like, well, this happened, and that happened, and that's why I'm where I'm at. Instead of saying, this happened, and that happened, I repented of that. I asked God for forgiveness for that. I don't understand that. I am where I am. God, use me. We start to think, oh, he can't use me where I am. The devil is a liar. We need to be delivered from that mindset because, you know, when I'm looking at the past, I'm like, man, how are are things going to work out? Listen, all I know is that I'm here today by God's grace. Amen? And so all of us are in the same place. And sometimes in our life, we look back, we're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Anybody got any of those situations in their life? Amen. I'm glad I ain't alone. Hallelujah. I got half the church with me. That's good. At least it's half of us. The rest of them, we'll pray for them. Amen. Or, as a matter of fact, y'all pray for us. All y'all that didn't raise your hand, that don't have any of those moments that you wish you didn't, just pray for us. Amen. The rest of us over here, glory to God. The thing is, we have this, you know, we, we have this mindset, and we have to be delivered of that. It doesn't mean to take for granted our steps. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go ahead and say, well, you know what? I made all those bad decisions, and God still has me where I am, so I'm good. No, that's not the way God wants to operate. Hello. But here is the truth. The truth is God is still sovereign. Oh, glory to his name. He is still in control. As a matter of fact, the name Malta, I looked it up, and there's two definitions. One of them is honey. The other one is refuge. And see, a blessing when I thought about that, I said, man, I said, God didn't want Paul to go through this storm at all. But where does he make him land in a place of refuge? Oh, glory to his name. And see, it's not the place because you're thinking, man, where I'm at, this is not a refuge. But you know who is the refuge? 
It's the one who's with you where you landed, glory to God. It wasn't that place because it wasn't like they landed on Malta and it stopped raining and stopped pouring. That isn't what happened. It continued to rain. It continued to pour. Things continued to happen. But God gave them grace with these people on this island. The Bible says that they showed them some different kind of favor, right? That they were unreasonable. They, they were really nice to us for some reason, what the scripture says. So they should have been like trying to kill them, but they weren't. Matter of fact, they made a fire for them. And they were like, let us take care of you. And so what happens is God wants to be our refuge in the midst of those situations. But what we have to understand is that God chose us and our circumstances in order to advance the gospel. We must learn to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I use that example in Sean's case. It can be anything in our lives. We can end up in a hospital. Hello. We can end up having to go to the bank because some NSFs. Hello. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Glory to God. I'm just saying, I know some, I know, I know that other half of you, right? You never had an NSF either, glory to God. I'm just saying. But, but, but anyway, <laughs> Jesus help us. And so what happens is you might be in the, in, in, in the bank trying to fix something like that. You may be in a place that you do not want to be. The point that I want to make is that God chose you and your circumstance to advance his gospel. And so the point is, rather than looking back and looking at how frustrated you are, look at the opportunity that God is opening up for you to do what? To share the truth. To be the light that shines in the midst of a dark situation. We must learn to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit during trying circumstances so that we do not miss the doors of opportunity to advance the gospel. When we keep looking at this, we find certain things. And I told you it was pretty funny because when Paul goes and he grabs all these sticks and he gets bit by this viper, these people say, oh, you know what? He escaped the sea, right? They're looking at him from the outside. And they're like, oh, he escaped the sea because they saw the storm. They saw the shipwreck. They saw that. That's why they were being so nice to these people because they saw all of the stuff that they just went through. But when they go through that, Paul gets bit by this viper, and they're like, oh, you know what? Hmm. He escaped the sea, but justice. And let me tell you something. Justice was not the way we look at it. Justice was one of their gods. And so this is some superstition. Let me put it to you this way. They were saying, karma. Christians, don't be talking about you believe in karma because you do not. Hello. I'm just saying, don't be posting on Facebook, karma this, karma that. No, no, no. That's a different religion. Amen. I'm just saying, I, and listen, I haven't looked at Facebook, so if you did that, I wasn't saying that for you, amen? I'm just saying, because I, I, I don't know anybody in this room that's done that. I'm just, I just want to make that disclaimer. But here's the thing. I have seen, I have seen Christians that, or, or people that proclaim themselves Christians that do not go here that have said some junk about karma, and I'm like, what on earth? But anyway, what they were saying was karma. Karma got them. That's what they were saying. So they, they first judge wrongly, right? And it's funny because I was having a conversation with Milton the other day. And, um, and we were talking. It was actually last Wednesday. And he was talking about, because I said something. And I'm, I'm, I'm just confessing it all to you today. Glory to God. <laughs> I told him, I said, I was struggling because on, on, on Wednesday, I went to work out. And when I went to work out, this guy that I've been witnessing to and I've been talking to, he comes to me. He walks up to me. And it, mind you, there's other people in his gym that he knows and, and everything. He didn't walk up to any of them. He walks up to me and he says, hey, man, what are you doing Saturday night? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, hey, man, I'm having this party. Why don't you come to my house? And so I look on it. Guess what it was? It was a Halloween party. All right. 
Now, let me tell you something. Usually, your pastor would be like, nah, man, I'm sorry. I'm too holy for that. I wouldn't have said that, but I would have done that. That would have been my immediate response, right? But I was torn because I'm praying for this guy. And listen, I am not telling you go to Halloween parties. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go to Halloween. I'm not saying you're blessed. I'm not making that a rule. Again, I'm telling you my struggle. So he said, now mind you, you can ask my daughter. I don't know where she is, but you can ask her. We do not celebrate Halloween. We don't dress up. We don't do any of that. We always come to the, you know, to the stuff in church because we believe of you know, the demonic you know, beginnings and all that stuff. And so we don't participate in that. But I struggled because I was like, man, I'm trying to witness to this guy. Right? I'm trying to share with him. And he's opening his house to me. He's inviting me into his house. And I'm like, hold on a second. I want to invite him to my house too. But if I deny his invitation, what does that mean for me? And so I was like, man, I'm going to go, right? I'm, I'm telling you what I said. Y'all are like, oh, my goodness. And I was going to dress up. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Because <laughs> he told me. He was like, he said, hey, y'all want to come? He said, you got to come. And I was like, okay. And he said, but you got to dress up. I was like, man. So I said, I'm going to dress up like a preacher, okay? <laughs> he knows I'm a pastor. So I was just going to bring my Bible and put a suit on and be like, all right, glory to God. And he said, do that. He said, do that. He said, see how many jokes you get. I said, I'm down with the jokes, man. And then I thought, you know what would be better? I'll dress up like Jesus. My wife will dress up like Mary. Our son will be Joseph, right? Amen. <laughs> glory to God. I'm just kidding. I, I was not Well, no, I did think about that. But I wasn't going to go through all that because I'm like, man, I got to grow out my beard. And I, you know, I couldn't do that. Um, but anyway, the point is, I struggled with this, right? And, 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 and in, in, in the conversation, Milton's like, bro, but you can't do that. I'm like, but listen to me. I'm not going to, it's not like I'm going to go to a Halloween party every year. That's not it. I'm not going to start having a ha- Halloween party. Oh, well, you know what? I got delivered. No, that's not it. I haven't been delivered from that. I still disagree with it. But I'm looking at, man, we talk about being on mission, right? And I'm thinking, well, Jesus, would you have won? He's like, yeah, I would have went and dressed up like myself. I'm like, okay, so glory to God. He didn't say that to me. I'm saying that. I'm saying. See, no casual conversations, amen. It wasn't nothing like that. But here's the thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with this because I'm like, okay, God, I want, I want to make sure that I am doing what? That I am being the faithful witness that I'm called to be. And I want to show this, this person that I do care about the things that he cares about. Not that I care about Halloween, because I could care less about Halloween. But I want to be there. But when we look at us, when we, when we look at our lives, you know, in, in that conversation, Milton is like, dude, perception is reality. He's like, what about that Christian over there that's looking at you that just, you know, like, one of you guys here could be thinking this about me right now. Like, oh, man, I'm not going to come back to this church, you know. This guy's a heathen. I'm like, okay, I, I am saved by the blood of Jesus. But, 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 but here's, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, man. I said, but I don't care about what anyone else thinks. I'm trying to be like Paul. Become all things to all men without compromise. I'm not going to go in there and have drinks. I'm not going to go in there and be you know, scaring people and acting stupid. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to do my best to be the light that's in that place. And it's going to be hard. And, and you know what? If someone saw me going in there, you know, they'd be like, what's Bishop doing going up in that place? You know, because they have that thing like a haunted house and stuff. They do this like every year. I didn't know all this. Later on, I got the details. But the point is, they do it all the time. And so when I'm, when, when, when I, when I'm dealing with this, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm like, look, perception is reality. But here's the thing. God is looking at my heart. God is looking at my heart, and God knows I'm not a party animal. I got to be at all the parties, and I got God knows that. 
God knows there is one reason, right? It's funny, though, because I got a text this morning from Milton, and he said to me, he said, perception is reality to the person who sees it, but it's not the truth. Did you hear that? See, because nowhere in the Bible does it say perception is reality. It doesn't say that. That's something that some smart guy came up with, and it's true. Perception is reality. People see stuff, and they're like, oh, that's the reality with you. But is that the truth of what is going on? It's not. And so when, when these people, and the reason why we're talking about this is because these people did what? They were looking at the perception. Oh, it's, it seems like this guy's a real bad sinner. He's a murderer or something. He's done something. And yet, you know what? And it's funny because they were right. Paul was a murderer. Paul was all of that. But he was a saved murderer. Hello. He was one who had been delivered by the blood of Jesus. He was one who had been set free by the power of the gospel. And then they go from perceiving that he is a heathen about to be judged to doing what? To perceiving, oh my goodness, this guy must be a god. They were wrong. He wasn't a god. And what we see here in these scriptures is this, is that we find this, that the enemy will do everything to try to hinder God's mission through us by false judgments or accusations that are meant to distract others from our message and meant to deter us as the messengers. And so what will happen is the enemy will come and will try to discourage us and make us look back. All the bad things we did. Look at all the, th- all the ways that we failed. So we can do what? We can stop preaching the gospel. Listen, the enemy could care less about hurting your feelings. I need you to understand that. He doesn't care about your self-esteem. I know you've been told that by, you know, anyway. He doesn't care about any of those things. He cares about one thing. And that is the gospel not being preached. He just wants you to shut up the message of the gospel. That's all he wants to do. He wants to get you to be silent about the most important thing. And he wants to get other people to be deterred from the most important thing, which is the message of the gospel. That is the reason why it is so important, church, that we live transparently before this world. None of us should act like we walk on clouds because we do not. And none of us should act like we walk on water because we do not. We should not act like that. We should be able to be transparent and repent when we sin before ungodly people. Hello. Acknowledge your sin. Recognize your need for the gospel. Amen? Amen. Notice, gospel advancement, I love this, precedes gospel provision. Look at verse 10 there. It says, they also honored us. And I won't go through all the whole thing in there with the miracles. Paul does some miracles. It doesn't give us a lot of details. But because we know all of the details of Paul's life, we know that Paul wasn't sitting there taking glory and just healing people. Hello. We know that Paul was preaching the gospel because that is what he was devoted to doing. But verse 10 is the closing when they're getting ready to leave. And it says, they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So notice, gospel advancement precedes gospel provision. And so Paul was devoted to advancing the gospel. That's what he was committed to. Amen? His whole mission, his whole heart was to get back to Rome, and and that way he could preach the gospel again. And what does God do through these people on this island? God provides every one of their needs, not for them and their comfort, but for them to fulfill the call that God had on their lives. Amen? Amen? As you and I remain on mission, we can trust God's provision for all we need to fulfill his will. Listen to me. You may not have the house that you want, but you will have the things you need. You may, not always, you, you may not get the car you want, but you will have the one that you need in order to fulfill the will of God. 
Because everybody thinks that everyone's going to have the same, you know, you, you won't have this mansion, you have all this stuff. Listen, none of that stuff is in the Bible. Hello. You can believe the lies if you want. What I am telling you is, is that God provides for his will in our lives, not for our will. Hello. And he allows, in, in, in many cases, not every case, but in many cases, he allows us a little bit extra so we can what? Enjoy it. Hello. I'm just saying, God is good like that. But some people, listen, there's some people, you go on mission trips and stuff, they're not experiencing all of that. They're not experiencing all the, all the kind of stuff that some of our prosperity preachers preach. That's not what is happening. And so we need to be devoted to the gospel. What did Jesus say? Jesus said not to worry about what you would eat or what you would wear, right? He told you not to worry about any of those things. He said, because what? He said, because the heathen. In other words, the people in the world worry about those things. He said, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When he was saying all of these things, let's put it in context. He was talking about everything you need to eat and everything you need to wear. He wasn't talking about the mansion you want to name and claim. I'm just saying, this is what our Bible teaches us. That's what Jesus was talking about. So in order for you to put that promise, you got to connect it to some, some other place. Hello. You can't say that because he says that he is going to provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That's what the Bible says. He is looking at us from that place. And so our focus should be what? I said it earlier. The greatest pursuit should be what? To advance his kingdom. To make sure that the glorious gospel is known through all of us. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, God has called us into mission together. God has called us into mission together. Look at verses 11 through 16. It says, after three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was twin brothers, was the twin brothers which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled round and reached and, and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew. Now, notice the south wind was in the book of chapter 27. In chapter 27, the south wind blew. Remember, it blew softly. They thought they had received their desire. And, and this is a good south wind. Amen? This one was the right one. They were listening to the wrong one. They, they followed the wrong one before. It says, but the south... Um, the south wind blew. And it says, and after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Patoli. And when, where, where we found brethren... And where and, 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 and where invite and, and were invited to stay with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as a pie forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now look at that. When he sees the brethren, when he sees his brothers and sisters in Christ, he is what? Thanking God. And he's encouraged. The first thing that we have to understand is this, is that God has called us into mission together. We're called to do what? Advance the gospel? We're not called to do it by ourselves. You know what the problem is? There's a lot of people that want to say they love Jesus, but they don't love his people. I've said this plenty of times, and I will continue to reiterate it just in case one of those people is in the building. Hello. Coming to check out God's people. I need you to repent of your sin because you cannot love the head and not love the body. Hello. I'm just saying, you can't have like half of Jesus. I mean, really, seriously. It's like you're going to take this part of him, but you don't want the rest. The fact of the matter is we are all part of the body. And I know that there are some really good reasons why some people don't want to be around other Christians because they're rude or they hurt them or they let them down or they did things that were ungodly. And that's all fine, and I understand that. But here is the thing, that we were not called to be on mission alone. 
We were called to be on mission together with one another. And there should be no doubt in our minds that mission is taxing. Here's the reason why we are called on mission together. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that when, when, when two, it says that two are better than one, right? It talks about their return being better. When one of them falls, there is another one that is there to help them up. This is what the scriptures teach us. Right? The scriptures show us that there is, there, there is supposed to be that. When you look in the New Testament, you find Jesus. He's taking his disciples. When he takes the 70, what does he do? Does he send them out one by one? No. He sends them out two by two. He's sending them together. When you look at Jesus, and he, and, 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 or, or not Jesus, but the apostles in the upper room, they're doing what? They are together. They are seeking God corporately and collectively. And everything that they do, when you, further, you go further on into the book of Acts chapter 13, and you find the apostle Paul as the Holy Spirit is sending out these people to ministry he doesn't send out Paul alone or Barnabas alone but he says separate them for the work that I've called them to do and so what God does is he makes it very clear that we are not called to do things by ourselves it is because mission or ministry is taxing and I want you to understand something I am not the only one the pastors are not the only ones that are called into ministry hello The book of Ephesians says something that is very important. It says that he has chosen some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints. For the edification of the body of Christ. For what? So you can feel strong? So you can feel good about yourself? So you can be encouraged because of how great you are because of what Jesus did? Is that what it says? You should feel all of those things. But but here's the thing. You should also be doing the work of the ministry. See, what happens to us is that we become real comfortable. We become real comfortable with other people doing the work of the ministry. We become real comfortable with someone else opening the door. We become real comfortable with someone else seating us. We become real comfortable with someone else directing us in traffic line. We become real comfortable with someone else working the nursery. We become real comfortable with someone else teaching our children. We become real comfortable with someone else leading worship. We become real comfortable with other people doing the things that we are all called to do. Listen, not everyone is called to be up here. Not everyone is. Listen, if you hate kids, you shouldn't work in children's ministry. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't like to smile, hello, you shouldn't be a greeter. Hello, somebody. If you don't like to hug people, you should not be a greeter. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, if you just, welcome to the house of the Lord. No, we do not want you as a greeter. You may, need, you, you, you may be great for like cutting grass or something. I'm just saying. You won't intimidate the grass. You do it hard- hardcore, right? I'm just saying, not everybody, if you cannot sing, you should not be singing. Hello. I'm saying, if you can't play an instrument, you should be playing an instrument. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Right? But everybody should be doing something. If you, cannot, if, if you cannot get up in front of people and communicate, guess what you should not be? In front of people communicating. Hello. And trust me, we're not going to put you in the wrong place. We're going to do our best to put you in the right place. But know this, there is a place for everyone. And not only is there a place for everyone, but the whole purpose of the preaching and the teaching and the mentoring program and connect groups and everything that we do is for one thing, and that is to get you to the place that you can do the ministry that God has called you to do. And so what happens is this, is that mission is taxing. And anyone who is truly on mission with Jesus, listen to what I'm saying, will experience the weight of mission. If you are really serving God, there is some sacrifice that takes place. 
Right? If you are really serving Jesus, there is some, there is some weight that you're going to experience because serving him and walking with him on his mission, hello, notice his mission is much bigger than ours. He can carry a lot more weight than we can. He can do a lot more than we can. And guess what he calls us to? Come and partner with me. He doesn't call us by ourselves, though. He calls us because here's this. If we are really on mission with Jesus, we will also experience not just the weight of ministry, but the weight of his glory. We will not only feel the weight of ministry, but we will feel the depth of his love. We will not only experience the weight of ministry, but we will experience the fullness of his joy. But here's something else. While the presence of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual nourishment of the word of God are sufficient for our primary, say primary. Primary. I didn't say singular. Primary. You have to have a relationship with Jesus if you're going to grow. You have to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit if you're going to grow. You have to have time in the word of God if you are going to grow. But here is the reality. The reality is that you also need something else to grow, and that's others in your life. It is the way that God, God has, God has done it like this. Himself, he has ordained his people to work on mission interdependently for complete spiritual growth. See, here's the lie. The lie is I can pray by myself, I can be in the word by myself, and I'm going to grow just fine. Listen, you talk to those people all the time. Hello. They don't go to church, but they read their Bible, Right? They pray, they're spiritual, right? You talk to them all the time. But guess what you also see? You also wonder sometimes, are they really a Christian? Why? Because there's so many areas in their life that lack. Why? Because there's none of y'all in their life. You know what I'm saying? There's none of y'all in their life to get on their nerves and make them repent of that sin. There's none of y'all in their life to frustrate them and make them think things they shouldn't be thinking and be like, man, I need to repent before Jesus. Because they're just all right. Them and Jesus are good. Jesus doesn't offend them. Hello. Right? What I'm saying, by him, him by himself. You know, because it's easy to be by yourself and hear Jesus say, forgive. He's like, who do I have to forgive? No one. It's a totally different scenario when you're around folk that are offending you and Jesus is saying, forgive them. And that's why Peter was like, hold on. Um, how many times should I forgive them? I'm just saying. Seven times? Jesus is like, nah, bro. Seven times 70. He's like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Right? The point is, Jesus don't offend you when there's nowhere for you to live out the gospel. But when you have to live out, when you have to serve someone, that is hard to serve. Hello. Right? I thank God for our greeters because they don't, they don't, everybody's easy to love. Hello. For our greeters, glory to God. Everyone, no matter how, no, and, and I hear some amazing stories and they're still loving. I'm like, glory to Jesus, they're in the right place. I wouldn't be good there. <laughs> I went to, we went to Disney yesterday and, and, and we're standing there getting ready to take this family picture. I don't want to take the family picture anyway because I was already hot, but here's the thing. We're standing there to take the family picture. The lady who's t- taking the picture, she's telling us, step away from the wall, right? I'm like, okay, we stepped away from the wall. She's like, step away from the wall. She, we step more away from the wall. She's like, step away from the wall. I'm like, how far from the wall would you like us to step? I'm just saying, we already took two steps. Can you tell us, step this far away from the wall? Because we're going to be on top of you in a moment. But anyway, the thing is, if I was a greeter and folk come up in here nasty sometimes, I'd be like, what's wrong with you, man? 
Can you come to the house of the Lord with a smile? Why always got to be the first one to bear a smile? Why can't you smile? I'm just saying, right? I'll be like straight up. Y'all be like, man, we ain't coming to that church. That's why I'm not a greeter. That's why I come out of prayer and I greet you when they've already greeted you, right? Like, Lord, God bless you. How you doing? God bless you. How you doing? Because I'll be standing anywhere. I'm just saying, you got to be in the right place to work, right? You don't grow spiritually because of that side. But then there's another side. And this is what happens with Paul here. He says that he saw the brethren and he does what? He thanks God for them and then he's encouraged. And let me tell you this right now. The reason why God calls us together on mission is to be encouraged by others. Sometimes we need to be encouraged. But he also calls us on mission together so sometimes we can be the encourager. Did you hear me? And listen, when you think about encouragement, it's not always coming up and, 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 you know, saying, you know, giving some kind of word. Can I tell you what's the greatest encouragement for me? I'll tell you what's the greatest encouragement for me. The greatest encouragement for me is when I hear stories like the one that that I shared with you about Sean. One of my greatest encouragements is on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. when I have some people that come in here. It's not a bunch of people, but when a few people in here and I hear them crying out to Jesus, pouring out their heart, that's encouragement for me. What I'm saying is different things that we do encourage people. But we don't have that if we're not together. See, because if I was in your prayer closet with you, I'd be highly encouraged. But guess what? I'm not. Maybe I'd be encouraged. I don't know. Y'all might be praying for me for my deliverance, so I might not be too encouraged. But anyway, the point is, when we come together, I'm encouraged. I hear you praying. And it's not because I need to hear you. That's not that. You're not praying to me. You're praying to Jesus. But we are mutually encouraged by those type of things. We're encouraged when we're going through hardship. That's the reason. Listen, let me plug Connect again. That is the reason why Connect is so important. Connect, for those of you that don't know, are our small groups, our life groups that get together in different homes throughout the week. And the reason why they're so important is because we are really supposed to be doing life together. One of the, the theme of it is that because life is meant to be shared. And what's supposed to happen is when I hurt, you should hurt with me. When I rejoice, you should rejoice with me. But you know what? That will never happen if the only time I see you is on Sunday morning. It won't happen. If we never are able to be around one another, if we're never able to have relationship with one another, and when I'm going through hardship, I need prayer. And when you're going through hardship, you need prayer. But God has called us in the mission. And you would think the Apostle Paul, he's a mighty man of God. Angels are visiting him. Why does he need to see people? Why is he encouraged when he sees them? Because that is the way that God has created us. And so when we're not together, we are going against what God has created us for. Amen? I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures you can write down, look them up in your connect groups. And if you don't have a connect group, I encourage you to get into one. And if you're not yet in one and you can't get into one, then look at these scriptures by yourself and hopefully you will get connected. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. These are scriptures that will support what I'm talking about with us being together. And the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. I love Ephesians chapter 4 and 14 through 16 because it says, as each joint supplies... The body built itself up in love. Guess what? We are the joints. Amen? We're the ones in relationship. The third thing, and this is my last point that that, that I'll be making before I close the message. Say this with me. The gospel gospel must consume us us. if we're going to continue its advancement. The gospel must consume us if we are going to continue its advancement. Now let's read from verse 17 to verse 31 and then I'll wrap it up. 
And it, says in the, and it says this, and it says, and it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. Now, mind you, he finally makes it to Rome. That's what verse 16 said. He finally makes it to Rome. And once he's there in Rome, the place that he's been trying to get to, he calls all of the, Jew, the leaders of the Jews together because, remember, his passion is to share the gospel with them. And he says, so when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people, or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause to putting, for putting me to death. So he's explaining to them his situation, how he ended up where he was, and he's saying, I didn't do this you know, against you in any way. He said, but when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. So he wasn't coming to Rome because he wanted to talk bad about the Jewish people. That's not it. He wasn't trying to make them look bad or in, in, any, in any way, shape, or form. He said, for this reason, therefore, I, was call, I, I called for you to see you and speak with you because of the hope of Israel. I am bound with this, with, with, with this chain. And so notice what he says. He says, I didn't come here because I wanted to make the Jewish people look bad. I came here and I'm bound by something greater. Why was he bound? He was bound by the gospel. He was bound for the gospel. That is what his greatest passion and his greatest drive was. He wanted to make sure that they were able to hear the gospel. Then verse 21 says, then they said to him, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect, talking about Christians, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him as his, at his lodging. To whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul and said one, and, and said one word. Had, had, had said one word. They departed after he had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers saying, Go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. They, they should, that lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the, that, that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. And when Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So notice the, how, the abruptness of how it ends. It doesn't end with like a, a flow. It's, it's, it's an abrupt ending there. But notice this. The gospel must consume us if we are going to continue its advancement. What was consuming Paul? It was the gospel. What was consuming his heart? It was the gospel. He was concerned with sharing the gospel. And more than anything, you can see it because he makes it a point to speak to the Jewish people always. He wants them to hear the truth. He wants them. That should be our heart for our, the people that we love, the people that we care about, for them to hear the truth, for them to be saved and transformed by the truth. 
Acts closes with the reminder of Paul's devotion to the gospel and that people will continue to receive and reject the gospel. Now, I love this because it shows us the same stuff we've been looking at throughout the entire book of Acts that he's preaching the gospel and people are still doing the same stuff. And so I wrote down a couple of things here that we must accept. There's a few things that we must accept. The first one is this. Christianity has always and will always be spoken of as evil. Let that sink in. Christianity has always and will always be spoken of as evil. The day that Christianity is not spoken of as evil is the day that we've lost our saltiness. Jesus promises his disciples, what? If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they spoke evil of me, they're going to speak evil of you. They didn't just speak evil of Jesus. They spoke evil all the way to the end of 30, 30 years later. They're still calling them a sect, which means what? That they're divisive. That's what it means. That they're causing division among the Jewish people. That's what they're saying here. And so the first thing is we need to accept this. Christianity has always and will always be spoken of as evil. Here is what we need to understand. In this point is that what should be spoken of as evil is not our nastiness. Hello. It is not our bad attitude. It is not our way of being in the negative sense. It should be the gospel we stand for. It should be the truth that we proclaim as truth that is undeniable. That's what should be spoken evil of. And that is what was being spoken of evil of them because they were saying, listen, you cannot earn your own righteousness. Righteousness comes from one, and that is Jesus, the one whom you crucified, the one whom you rejected. That is the Messiah that you are waiting on. The second thing is people will be divided over their response to Jesus. Listen, some people, they're going to be like, Jesus, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Other people are going to be like, nah, man, I, I don't believe that. That's nothing new. That's something that is always going to be. But what do we got to do? Keep preaching the gospel. The next thing is, Christians must be well-versed in the gospel to offer real answers and real hope. Notice what the Apostle Paul does. He takes them through the law and the prophets, showing them who Jesus is. Now, let me ask you a question. This is just to check you real quick. If I were to take you to the book of Jeremiah, could you show me Jesus in the book of Jeremiah? Could you walk me to the cross from the book of Jeremiah? Could you take me through the prophecies in the book of Jeremiah and show me how to get to the cross? You take me through the, through the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, biggest book in the, you know, biggest of the large, of the major prophets there. Could you do it in any of those books? Could you take me from the book of Genesis? Genesis should be easy one, right? Could you take, that's the book of beginnings, and that's where the first prophecy about what? You look at, you look at the story there, in the beginning there, when, after the fall, and what happens? God, God prophesies. About the serpent bruising the heel and then, and then the sun or the seed bruising the head, right? That's how you get to Jesus from the book of Genesis. But the question is, can you do that? If you say no, then you know what that tells me? That tells me that you need to get in your Bible. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to show you. How do I do this, Lord? Because that's what Paul did. Notice this. Paul didn't have any of the New Testament. He was writing it. Hello. All he had was the Old Testament. And so are you well-versed? Let me, let, let me ask you this question. Let me, let me make it a little bit easier. Can you just show Jesus the promises that are in the New Testament for their salvation? Think about that. 
See, if we want to see people get saved, if we really want to be on mission, then we need to be in our Bibles. We cannot just tell people, well, you know, I got saved and I had an encounter with Jesus. That's not enough. How do they get saved? How does it, how does it work for them? Listen, God, I'm telling you this right now. God spoke to me audibly when I got saved. Can I tell you something? If I ask you, I'm not going to ask you to do that. How many of you could raise your hand in here? I'm, don't raise your hand. But how many of you could do that? Raise your hand and say, yeah, God spoke to me audibly as well when I got saved. I guarantee you a minute part of the people in this room will be able to say that. That's not going to work for everyone. That's not going to happen for everyone. But you know what saved me? The gospel saved me. That's what saved me. But how he did it, that's a different story. But you know what? The gospel works for everyone. And so we, gotta, we have to be well-versed to be able to really offer people answers and hope because people want answers. Amen? Amen. The, third, the, the, the fourth thing here is that people harden their hearts to the gospel while God offers them grace. Look at verse 27. I want you to see this because this, we're going to read the whole prophecy as a matter of fact. This is a prophecy from Isaiah. Look at verse 26. It says, saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear. And shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Under, if, you, if you're underlined, highlight, look at that. Grown dull. Their hearts have grown dull. That means that over time, something has happened to their hearts. Their hearts have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes, they have. Look at that. They have closed. God didn't close their eyes. They closed their own eyes. They are the ones that are rejecting the God who wants to save them. And they've closed their eyes. You know why their hearts have become dull? Because they want to save themselves. Because they want to live according to their own law. Because they want to do things their way. That's the reason why their hearts have grown dull. That's the reason why they have, they, they, they have closed up their ears. And we have to understand is that God offers salvation to them while they are hardening their hearts toward his goodness and his love. And what do we do? We continue to be gracious and offer them the gospel. The last thing is this, is that we must remain steadfast as gospel witness. In all of this, the apostle Paul shows that he is there in verse 30. It says, then Paul dwelt two whole years. So for two whole years, Paul is in Rome. This is, the, this is as much as, as, as Luke knows. And so for two years in his own rented house, he is there. And he, he received all who came to him. Anyone who came to him, he received them. And he did what? Just hung out with them and had lemonade? No. Everyone who came to his house, it was like, you coming to my house? Check this out. You're going to hear about the kingdom, and I'm going to teach you things that concern the Lord Jesus. That's why it says all who came, because everybody wasn't coming. Hello. Everybody's like, nah, bro, you can have your own lemonade party. I'm not coming. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to hear anything else about the kingdom. I don't want to hear about Jesus, and that's fine. But who do we share with? There are people that want to hear. There are people that need to hear the gospel. But Paul didn't just do that in those two years. And I already said this earlier. Acts does not close with an amen because it's not over. But it, is, but it shows us an example of Paul's mission while he was in Rome for two years. What did he do? Well, he preached to people. We know that, that it says that. But what also happened while Paul was in Rome is that he wrote the book of Philippians. He wrote Ephesians. He wrote Colossians. And he wrote Philemon. In those two years while he was there, he wasn't just preaching to people. He was writing to and witnessing to and correcting and directing the other churches that he had planted. We also know that you know, most of the students agree that he was released at some point. During this time, he also had Timothy with him. He had John Mark who was with him. He had Luke, Aristarchus, Epaphras, Justice, and Demas. All of these people were with him. While he was there, he met Philemon's runaway Onesimus. And we know this because of the book of Philemon. And he led Onesimus to faith. 
Again, God shows him and his circumstances to do what? To save, to share the gospel. And so what God does in those two years is he ministers. Epaphroditus brings him a gift, and, 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 he is, and, and, and then Tychicus is another guy, and he was Paul's mailman. Hello. In those two years, Paul was like, look, I can't leave, but guess what? I'm going to remain on mission. I close with this. Luke did not write this book simply to record ancient history. He wrote it to encourage the church in every age to be faithful to the Lord and carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And Charles Spurgeon said this, What was begun with so much heroism ought to be continued with ardent zeal. Since we are assured that the same Lord is mighty still to carry on his heavenly designs. And Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. So we read the book of Acts and we see the heart and devotion that these men, these women, these people had for the gospel. We should take up the baton and say, you know what, I need to run as hard while I'm here on this earth. My closing question for you is this, are you passionately, wholeheartedly, and intentionally committed to the continuation of the gospel being expanded in the earth? Is all of your heart devoted to the gospel being expanded? Is all of your heart, and when you say yes to that, when you say, yeah, it is, I really want you to look at your life because I asked, I asked more than one word there, but are you intentional? Are you prayerful? Are you seeking God for opportunities to share the gospel? For your neighbors, do you know their names? For your coworkers, are you praying for them? Are you looking for opportunities to share with them? For those of you that are in school, for those classmates and those people that are in school with you, are you looking for opportunities to share with them? One of the worst things that happened to me <clears throat> that when, when I was growing up is that I didn't even know that a Christian existed. In school, I was like, I guess no one in middle school is a Christian. I knew there were some people that were Catholic because they wore their beads and all that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, I wanted to become Catholic because I thought the beads were cool. Hello. You know, the rosary. I was like, man, those, those you know, and now people rock them today. But anyway, um, I was growing up and I was like, man, you know, I, I was raised in a Christian, you know, home. And when I'm not home, my grandmother was a Christian. I used to go to church. By the time I got to middle school, nobody, no, no, nobody talked about Jesus. And so for those of you that might be in middle school, are you talking about Jesus? Do people know that you're a believer? Do people know that you have a relationship with Jesus? In high school, I dropped out of high school when I was in ninth grade, and thank God, you know, he allowed me to get my GED and all that stuff later on. But in high school, there was nobody talking about Jesus. For those of you in high school, you talking about Jesus? Are you praying for your friends are you praying for their salvation? Are you looking for opportunities for them to come to faith? For those of you that are in college, the same thing. And I know college is like rough. Hello. Because you come into like this like place where everybody knows everything. Hello. Especially if they had like one, you know, term in philosophy or something. They think they know it all. Hello. I'm just saying, they're just real smart, right? But the point is, are you being passionately, wholeheartedly, intentionally devoted to gospel expansion. If you're not, God calls you to repentance. And I went through the youth from middle school to college, but I'm also talking to the adults in your workplaces. Don't say, yeah, I'm wholeheartedly, I'm passionately, I'm intentionally, but I have no impact list. And what is an impact list? 
people that I'm praying for that I want to share the gospel with, people that I'm trying to witness to, people that I'm looking for opportunities to witness to. Hello. Don't say yes if it's not really true. If it's true, I encourage you, don't grow weary in doing good. In due time, you'll reap a harvest. But if the answer is no, I call you to repentance today. I call you to really humble your heart before God and say, God, I want to be committed to gospel continuation. I want to be committed to gospel advancement. I want you to stand to your feet and bow your heads, please.